give you a sneak peek on this. You ready? When we go through here, in just a few moments, I'm going to read and expound the verses here. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And as we had this morning, so this evening we'll have a familiar account, but yet a truth that will be brought to you absolutely is not unique, but it will give you some help from this familiar passage. And uh, as we go through, I'm going to expound the verses, and then I'm going to make a few quick observations as to why the most unexpected answer given here will be the answer no. I told you this morning that I was preaching tonight on this, this subject, uh, the best answer was no. And uh, the sneak peek is, as we're going through this account, I want you to keep an eye out for whose request Jesus granted and whose He did not. And you look at it in that light as we go into it, whose request did Jesus grant and whose request did He not grant? I believe it will show you something in here with this. And let's, let's look there at the beginning of the chapter. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. How about Mark chapter 5? Uh, the, not, we're not starting off well there, are we? Mark chapter 5, it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, Jesus, he comes out of the ship, he, they, they get close enough to the shore, wherever, wherever they can go in. It says, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now you remember this fellow's condition was so severe, the people couldn't even pass by the burial places. And of course, as we'll read in the account, um, people tried to tame him by chaining him, doing all these different things. And it's interesting, he would pluck the chains asunder. You can imagine him just grabbing them, twisting them, breaking them off. But Jesus was there, and this fellow who is so possessed with the devil, there's such immediately he knows something's happening, and somebody's come. And Jesus shows up, there's, he knows he's there. And uh, so immediately he comes uh, to him, verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. He was an uncontrollable fellow. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, which makes you think there may have been little calm periods during this. Because if he was in full wild man status, how would they get him on him? And so he had often been, been uh, uh, bound in fetters and in chains. And uh, the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. I take that to mean that the others had tried some way to calm him down, work with him and uh, get him under control, maybe a psychological type of, of a, approach and all that. But this fellow's problem was not a psychological problem. There are those problems in the world, but this was not one of them. This fellow's problem was a devil problem. And so and they, they could never get him under control with that. And then verse 5, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped Him. You see the great conflict in this man. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Notice this man, devil-possessed, immediately starts requesting prayer, if you will. He's, re he's requesting praying means to ask and he's asking something of Jesus here. He starts out with that and and uh, that's not that one there's got a little maybe maybe even a little taunt to it, but he says, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And so 
Uh, that's, that's a little different than just a request. For he said unto him, Jesus had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. So Jesus immediately confronts the spirit, gets his response out of it, and he asks him, What is thy name? And that's something. You better believe the Lord knows the names of the devils. They have names. And so he asked him, said, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Isn't that an odd thing? He's possessed with the devil, it'll say later. But he has many there. And he besought him much, watch it, that he would not send them away out of the country. So here's the first direct and and, uh, just a request. Now remember our sneak peek. We're trying to figure out whose request Jesus answers. So here you have this devil describes himself as legion, for we are many. Ask Jesus, don't send us out of the country. I don't understand all that goes with that, but apparently they wanted to stay in that area. Doesn't sound like a good neighborhood if that's where the devils want to stay. But we understand the word principalities deal with location, locality. There are different, different devils and different things. I believe in this region, I know areas of spiritual darkness. Uh, they're, they're tangible uh, when, you, when you deal with them. And uh, I've encountered them other places. When we were over in western Ohio, there's a little town named Somerville. Later on, we'd have great revival in that little bitty town. I'm talking very, very small town. Uh, probably Somerville, about the size of Rushville, if that. And uh, later on, a Baptist church would be established there and they would see some great things happen for a good number of years there. But as teenagers, my wife and I and my friend Mike Thompson, we would go soul winning there. And you're in a very rural part of southern Ohio. Now you got to think, you're talking back, back in the 1980s. So you're talking a different time period, early 80s. And uh, I remember having children come out their door and out on the sidewalk and curse us. Kids didn't do that kind of stuff, didn't act that way towards people then. We saw all kinds of wild things, and I've related some of that thing. But that town, in that little area, it was in a little valley area, and it was kind of an area where geographically, or, or you, you could say the topography of it, it was kind of a depressed area. I'm not talking about economically, but it was in a low area, and it was, you drove into that town, and there was a difference when you drove into that town. I don't know why these devils wanted to stay there, but their first request to Jesus was that don't send us out of this town. They said, leave us here, this region, as it were, with this. So they asked him, the devil says, they besought him much. So they are really entreating him. He would not send them out of the country. Look in verse 11. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Perhaps they used the mountains as a natural barrier to keep the pigs in. I mean, I mean that quite seriously. It was not unusual to do that with cattle out west and such, you know, use, use things and... You don't want your pigs all leaving on you. And so there was a great herd of swine feeding. And by the way, they are very large. This was a mega hog farm. It was big. Really, you look at the number here we start dealing with. And so he was, the, the pigs were over there. Look at verse 12. The devils come with another entreaty to the Lord. And all, or excuse me, uh, verse 12, yeah. And all the devils besought him. Second time. These devils have asked Christ for something. Now we're watching to see whose request Jesus answered. And all the devils besought Him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. So here you have devils who say, Don't send us out of this area. Then they say, See those pigs? Can we go into those pigs, please? We want to go to those pigs. They know they're going to be cast out of this man, so they want to go over to these pigs. Well, 
There's a lot of things in there I could say, but let's go on down with this thought because we're looking for who, whose request Jesus answered. And forthwith, verse 13, Jesus gave them leave. I'm not making up anything about this account. I'm not stretching anything to teach you this way because this is the way it's written. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. They came to Him and said, would you please not send us out of the country? We don't want to go out of this country. They know they're going to get cast out, but they don't want to leave. And then they say, look, those pigs over there, can we go to those pigs? And they said they besought Him much. They're saying, we want to go into those pigs. Jesus finally says, okay. He grants them the request. So, the first one we see that gets the request granted are the devils. Isn't that an odd thought? But it's fact. Look what happens. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the seas. I've heard people extrapolate from that and say the legion must have been 2,000 devils. I don't think that that necessitated by the thing here. There were a lot. There were many devils. But you just you get a good number of pigs or even a few squalling and screaming like they can do and running, you're going to get that whole herd's going to get moving. It didn't have to be a, a devil for every pig there. But they went down and just went straight down and into the sea. Now, watch the reaction to this. And they that fed the swine fled. I bet they did. That would be beyond startling. How many of you have ever been around a pig farm very much at all? Been around? Have you ever heard the kind of noises they can make? Have you ever heard how loud they can be? How about having 2,000 of them freaking out all at once? How about being out there? You hope you aren't in front of that herd when they get loose. I mean, seriously, this, I guess they were scared. I wonder if they had seen that man, that, that possessed man. Everybody in the region knew that possessed man from this account. Next thing they know, pigs just... That's bad. But who's, who got the, the request? They got their prayer answered, if you will. Those devils. They went to go in those hogs. They did. And by the way, and it amazing what they do with the hogs as soon as they got into them. Killed them, right? Took them off the cliff. Took them over the edge. Exactly what the devil does here. Take you over the edge. You be real careful right now. You don't go over the edge. Your daddies provide leadership to your home. Don't let them go over the edge. They and, and, and these things went over and, and gone. Why? Because that's always the devil's way is to try to destroy. Always. That's what he tries to do, and he's good at it. So they go down, and uh, then look what happens next. Verse fourteen. We pick that up there again. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it, what it was that was done. So everybody comes out to see what's happening. And they come to Jesus. And see Him that was possessed with the devil. I'm glad for the past tense there. Imagine that fellow was very glad for the past tense there. And had the legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. What a great place to be. Then what happened? What happens? And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. So they get the whole story of what happened. Hey, Jesus cast the devils out of this fellow. Nobody's ever been able to contain this fellow, tame this fellow, anything else. Jesus came in, cast the devils out of this fellow. They went over to those hogs. Those hogs went wild, went straight down there and killed themselves, and they did that. 
Now remember what we're watching for. See who gets the request answered. Let's see what happens here with it. Verse 17, And they, the men who had come out to see, and they began to pray Him, Jesus, to depart out of their coast. So the first request you have, and it's, is the devil saying, don't make us leave the area. And then that's followed up with the next request by those devils. Let us go into those swine. And the Bible says, forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. In other words, he said, okay, you can have what you want. Go do that. Now, the men of the city come out to Jesus. And instead of rejoicing that this fellow's troubles are cared for, they look at Jesus and they... The Bible gives you, you don't have to wonder about it. They're acting out of fear. They're afraid of this. Bad decisions always come when you act out of fear. And so he, they, because of fear, they said, hey, we want you to leave our coast. We want you to go out of here. Maybe some of those people, of course, economically, it could have affected the area, losing those pigs and such. But whatever the case... It says they prayed him that he might, uh, they they would depart. They began to pray him to depart out of their coast. God chose to put that word in there. Verse 18. And when he was come into the ship. So guess who else got the request answered? The people of the town who wanted Jesus to leave. So let's check it out so far and see who gets the request answered. It's the devils described as legion. And their request was to stay in the area and then to go into the pigs specifically. Then, it's the people who come out and out of fear ask Jesus to leave. So here's the request we've had. We've had the request of devils getting uh, given permission to go, to go into those swine. And then you have the request of the townspeople who ask Jesus to leave and Jesus leaves. He doesn't fuss. He doesn't argue. He gets into the ship. So we see who's gotten the request answered so far. But there's somebody else in this account. A newly saved man. Someone whose heart is brimming over with gratitude towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch me now. Stay, work at staying awake. I know lunch is working on you right now, but pinch yourself or pinch somebody near you if you need to or whatever. But just stay with us. Eh? Um, but here you have a man who's now clean that had been filthy, who's now healed that had been wounding himself, who now is in his right way of thinking. He's, he's, he's covered. His shame's taken away. He's got a heart of gratitude towards the Lord. So the devils have had the request answered. The people who asked Jesus to leave because of motivation of fear, the Bible tells us that, have the request answered. But this man has a request. New convert who wants nothing more than just to do the best he can for the Lord. Let's see what happens with his request. All right? Then verse um, 18 again, and when he was coming to the ship, Jesus was answering the request of the townspeople by that. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him. An interesting same words used. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Now that seems like a really good prayer request. This fellow is newly converted. The devil has just been kicked out of him. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, I only have one request. I want to be with you. Jesus is getting in the ship. He says, I want to get in and go with you. I don't care where this boat is sailing. I'm going to go with you. Now the devils had their prayer answered. The men who wanted Jesus gone had their prayer answered. 
But let's see how it turns out for this guy. Verse 19. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not. Devil's come. We don't want to leave the area. Can we go to those hogs? Can we go over there? It says they besought him much. They were nagging him. They were nagging devils. And they kept after him. Find Jesus gives them leave. Go ahead. Or go to the pigs. Here comes people out of town. Man, this is really weird. Whatever's happening. Why don't you leave? He gets in the ship. Here comes the man. Cleaned up. Heart fervent from what's happened. Jesus, let me go with you. No. No. The only one that his prayer answered was the new cover. But let's look at the reasoning behind it and what happens. It seemed kind of odd if you look at it that way. But look, look what happens here. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. In other words, he would not answer what he prayed. The Bible says that he had prayed him that he could do this, and Jesus said no to him. But Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. Now watch the response of the one, the only one in this scenario who was told no. The devils were told yes. The townspeople were told yes. The new convert who loved the Lord was told no. Look at his response to being told no. Verse 20. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. In other words, he just turned around and went and did what the Lord said. The first thing Jesus told him after he was converted, the first thing Jesus told him after he had relief from that torment he had been in, because you had seen the, uh, you had seen the conflict in this man when he ran to worship Christ and then said, don't torment us. And so there was that horrible conflict in him that came from that devil possession. And the first request he had to Jesus is, let me be with you. And Jesus says, no, you're not going with me. I want you to go home. And I want you to tell everybody what the Lord's done for you. And that fellow turns around with his first prayer request being a definite no and heads out to do what Jesus said to do. And then look how the thing ends out. This is amazing. It says at the end of verse 20, and all men did marvel. Can I say to you tonight, may, may, may I submit to you tonight that the best answer of all the answers was no. Let me show you what I mean by that. A couple quick observations with this. Number one, get this, Jesus, by His answer of no, guided the newly saved man into a purpose bigger than the boundaries of His prayer. Catch what I just said to you. I just told you something. Jesus, by saying no to what specifically that man asked, was guiding him into a prayer realm and a realm of doing things that was bigger than the boundaries of the prayer that the man had asked. I wrote this statement down about that. The man's request was not evil. May I say to you, it was not even inappropriate. Are you ready for this? It was short-sighted. He was only looking at the immediate. Christ 
catch this, was looking at the reason why the man had been released. The man was enjoying, and should have been, and seems to have been almost, I use the word reveling, and not in a wrong or, or sensual sense, but rejoicing in would be a better term, the relief. But Christ wanted him to see the purpose. And so no was the best answer because instead of the immediate gratification of what he wanted there, he was given something to do for the Lord. The newly saved man's request was not evil, but it was short-sighted. Name Bobby Robertson means a little bit to a few of you, and you've heard me mention the name Brother Brother Robertson. I did not know him. I think I talked to him very briefly on two different occasions, and he wouldn't remember me by name or sight. Uh, he wouldn't have. He's home and be with the Lord now, so he's not worried about all this mess down here anymore. But Brother Bobby is a faithful gospel preacher, pastor of Gospel Light Baptist Church in Walkertown, North Carolina, for over sixty years. It's a it's a country style church, more or less out in the country that regularly ran over 3,000 in Sunday school, and he only ever had one staff member. I do not know of anybody I can find in church history that did that. But God just was on Brother Bobby. You ever hear Brother Bobby preach? How many here have ever heard Brother Bobby Robertson preach? In person? Brother Bobby Robertson was a very interesting preacher. The power of God was on him. He was not a dynamic preacher. He'd just talk to you a while about simplest truths out of the Bible, and man, God would get on it. That was Brother Bobby. But I heard him tell in a message about his early days there in Walkertown and when uh, God started doing some things and the church started growing. Well, first of all, the church was divided and they were fighting each other. Brother Bobby had about a 20-some-year-old man, late 20s. He had a... uh, he had a heart attack. He, he let it get to him so much. He said, I had this, this group fighting this group and this group fighting this group. And he said, I tried to pull them together and it pulled me apart. And then he said, right, right up until last, he'd always say, I may die of a heart attack tomorrow, but you're looking at a man God had healed. And when he would say that, it had, you know, first time I heard him say that, it had been like 50 years since he had had that. So he pretty much, you could figure, yeah, something had happened right there. And... Uh, Anyway, he, he was talking about they wanted two acres. And to them, that was just a huge thing. They wanted two acres for their church. Well, they had a little church. It got up to about 200 people, and they figured two acres would take care of everything that was going on everything that could happen in the future. And he said they prayed about it. They went to the farmer and asked for it, asked him to sell it off. He said the guy wouldn't budge, wouldn't do anything, nothing at all. They were on this particular road. They won these two acres. They already had a little like a half an acre on one side. The two acres were on the other side. And they wanted that. They had all night prayer meetings. They asked about it. He fasted about it and never got the acreage. He said he got kind of aggravated about it at times. Trying to figure out. They were wanting to do work. They were overflowing where they were. They didn't have enough room for their people on their property. Why won't God give us the two acres? That's what we'll need. He said, a while later, some acreage came up just down the road a ways. Before it was all over, they had over 40 acres in that area. And got it for a good price. Well, when he told the account, he said, I never saw what was going to be there. He said, I never dreamed we'd have a church of 3,000 and all this big complex. They couldn't, they couldn't, that two acres wouldn't do the parking lot for what they ended up needing. He said then something else. He said back when we were praying for it, he said that that road there was a little gravel road, not much traffic on it. He said, and over the years it expanded out and paved road. And he said, 
the way we were going to set it up and the way we had it figured in our mind, he said, we were going to have the, 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 school, the church here and the school here. And he said there would have been kids going back and forth for chapel and stuff. He said somebody might have got hit and killed out there. And instead, we were able to put all the property together. In other words, what he was saying was God knew what they needed down the road. And so one of the best answers to prayer he got was a no. And it is good. I agree. But it's hard to take when it happens. And so, this man, I mean, the devils just got their prayer answered. The townspeople just got their prayer answered. The man's heart bursting with affection for Christ and what he's done says, Can I go with you? No. I mean, Jesus has been calling people to himself. Follow me. Follow me. Oh, man, Jesus said, Lord, can I go with you? No. Go home. I've got something different for you to do. Wow. What a deal. So Jesus guided the newly saved man into a purpose bigger than the boundaries of his prayer. And that is one reason I tell you tonight that the uh, best answer was no. Second thought on this, the man desired fellowship. Now that's not a bad thing, especially when it's fellowship with Jesus. But Jesus put him into his yoke. The Lord said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Amen. Tagging along with no purpose is not how to develop deep spiritual fellowship. Jesus said to those who He called unto Himself in the beginning, follow Me and we'll fellowship, right? He said, follow Me and I will make you to become what? fishers of men. By the way, he told them also that they would be with him. But why were they with him? Because he said, I'm going to put you into the same purpose I'm doing. And that's where the fellowship comes in. Going the same direction, trying to accomplish the same thing. Tagging along and not having a purpose is actually a good, a good formula for disagreement and strife. <laughs> But following Christ and having a purpose in what we're doing is a way to learn of Jesus. It's an axiom which holds true, I believe. I've not found the exception to it. That when somebody teaches people, that the teacher will learn more than the students do. Because the teacher not only must become conversant and should become proficient in whatever it is they're teaching, but they also are trying to bring the students up to a knowledge level. And because of that, they learn from the students and they learn about the truth as it interacts with the students. And when this man wanted to go, he just said, I want to go with you. That is not an evil thing. Do you know wanting to get in the ship with Jesus and head out is not an evil thing? It's not even a selfish thing, I don't believe. But it was not Christ's design. Now stay with me. You gotta get this. And so the man desired fellowship, but Jesus put him into his yoke. Uh, that's that's why that's why uh, churches that are centered on uh, just sitting around and what did you get out of this passage? What did you get out of that passage? And all that, and never have anything to do with trying to reach the world, are not entering into the yoke that Christ has for us. 
You learn by working together and trying to accomplish something for the Lord. And then let me say this to you. The man's gratitude, and I believe he had a lot of it, allowed him to accept and fervently do what Jesus wanted instead of pouting over what he was not getting. Can you follow just a quick thought of logic here? If we get upset and display immaturity by fussing at the Lord for what we're not allowed to do, or if He says no to us, then we have to face the reality that we are not coming to Christ with requests. We are coming with demands. I believe by your response you got that right away there, didn't you? And so this man... He was willing to accept, and by the way, not accept in a sullen manner. Not to accept in a slothful manner. Oh, if I have to. You know God hates that type of spirit. Hates it. Doesn't want it in you. Oh, if I have to. He didn't accept it that way. He accepted it fervently. I mean, look at this. This is all, there's nothing at all that you have to bend or or expand in the wrong way in the Scripture to get this. Look in verse 20, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. The first place he could come to, heading back home, he, he began to publish how great things Jesus had done for him. So well, how fervent was he about it? Look what the next line says. All men did marvel. He apparently did a really good job of publishing it out. This was not a day of social media, oh blessed thought. Done more damage than most anything else I've ever seen. 30 plus years in the ministry. But, the, uh, but this is the time he published it out. That fellow got around now. He got around. He really did. And so what happened was he did this fervently. Instead of pouting over what he didn't get, he decided to do what Christ said. I believe if we look in the Bible, we have an extremely good example of this in the Old Testament. You know, the Bible says these things which were written before were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the world are come. These things were given as an example unto us, the Bible says. And the picture of this in the Old Testament of this type of spirit is David. David who so much wanted to build a temple unto the Lord. David who used the word and said it must be exceedingly magnificent. What a great and unique word in the Bible. He wanted it to be great. And you know what God said to David about building the temple? You know, don't you? He said, no. David didn't pout. David didn't fuss. That temple would never be associated with David's name. It's not known as David's temple. It's known as Solomon's temple. He would never even see it built. It was not just that he didn't get to build it. He would never see it built. He would never see the completion of that temple in any way. Wait a minute. You said, what did he do? The Bible says he prepared abundantly before his death. He got all the contractors together. He got a bunch of the resources together. He gave what totals up to actually probably hundreds of millions of dollars worth of his own goods and his own wealth as a king to make this happen. And so what he did was, when God told him no, he didn't pout, he didn't stop, he didn't say, if I don't get to do this, instead he said, you know what? 
well, if Solomon's going to do this, he needs to run and start at it because this is going to be a tremendous thing. And he did the best he could do with everything he had. And he didn't know. Listen, God told him, he said, you can't do it because you've been a man of war. But God's the one who sent him to war. Amen. Can you imagine? You're the fellow that was possessed with these cotton-picking devils. And the devils asked Jesus to keep nagging him. Remember, they're nagging devils. Make sure you're never a nagging devil. Um, can you imagine? You're the fellow whose life had been wrecked by these things, and they keep going, Jesus, let us go, let's stay here, let's stay here. Can we go over those pigs? Can we go over those pigs? And what does Jesus do? Go ahead. Well, okay. Don't love pigs that much anyway. The devil's and pigs all in the water. Okay, that's good. I can live with that. <laughs> then the fellow's sitting there and maybe enjoying some time talking to Jesus, talking to the disciples. Here comes the townspeople. Hey, what's going on here? Man, pigs are out there floating. I mean, seriously, they're dead. They're out there, you know, getting washed up the shore. Man, what's going on? Well, this fellow, you know him and know what was going on. And Jesus cast the devils out and they went over there and asked him. And man, the pigs are down there. Okay, that's, that's really weird. Tell you what, Jesus, it'd be a whole lot better. What we want you to do is leave. Jesus doesn't fuss. He gets in the ship. So here you are, you're this man. You've seen the devils which tormented you get their, their prayer answered. You see the man get his prayer, or the men get their prayer answered, and you come up trying to get in the ship too, because you just want to stay close to Jesus. It's the only safe place you've known now, right? Can I go with you, please? No. And it's interesting how it's phrased. Look how it's phrased. And he suffered him not. Nope. He wouldn't entertain it. Nope. I will not yield to your request. You need to do something else. You go home. And you tell everybody back here how great things the Lord has done. And that man's gratitude towards the Lord, I believe, was a big part of it. Was so much that he took off and did exactly what Jesus wanted. That's amazing. But that's not all. Look at this. Look at the end of the verse in verse 20. And all men did marvel. I put this statement down. The man got to see the power of God work through him. All men did marvel. This man, all he wanted to do was get in the boat and and go. It wasn't an evil request. But Jesus told him no. And the reason he told him no, he had something better for him. He says, I've got a whole area called Decapolis. A whole population of people. And you are the one I'm going to use. You who were in the tombs, you who were cutting yourself, you who were such a wild man, such a disgrace to yourself and everyone around you, I'm going to use you as a vessel to go spread my name to an entire city. And because of the no, because of the loving Savior who knew in His wisdom more of what that man needed than what that man knew he needed, that man got to see things he would have never even dreamed of. He would have never even known to ask for. But it started out with a no. Here's my question for you tonight. If when you start seeking the Lord on something, if you start out with a no, is that where it's going to end with you? Or are you going to have a heart towards the Lord and see where He directs you from that point? 
And in this case, the best answer was no. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, thank You for Your words, for this great account in the Bible. And may we be worthy of the truth we've heard in our response and our openness to You, please. Amen. Why don't you stand and come tonight? How did you shield yourself before the Lord and say, Here I am, Lord. I don't want to hem in your design for me by what I demand. <laughs>